Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Recently broken up uh, with by his girlfriend, underachiever Alex, embarks on an impromptu road trip with his new bandmate, an eccentric guy named Jim. By channeling their inner children and giving new meaning to the word lo-fi musician, Alex and Jim find their unique musical style by bringing along the sounds of children's instruments to their unsuspecting audience. Playing a series of bizarre shows and experiencing multi-near disasters, Alex and Jim's persistence takes them on their true coming-of-age journey, one that may be their last shot at achieving their youthful dreams. Well, I hope they work it out. The director, uh, Ryan Onan, is here to, today here on Film School to talk about this really terrific, fun uh, movie called Brooklyn Brothers Beat the Best. Ryan Onan, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, just just had a lot of fun with this, and, I, and I, I hesitate to do this at the top of this interview, but I have to say, for those people who love referencing other movies that it reminds them of because people are so afraid of their own shadow anymore, uh, that basically it reminds me in terms of sort of the energy and vibe. There's a couple of films that this reminds me of, and I hope you don't take offense here, but a little bit of Little Miss Sunshine in here, the sort of the road trip aspect of it and kind of the sort of the experiences that they have and it has uh, that energy a sort of a nice vibe to it um and a l- uh, well, i think that was a huge compliment because i love that movie i do too i just thought it was just uh, remarkable in terms of just who knew you know it was came, came out of nowhere film and uh, but this does have that and i'll tell you why uh, for me is again i mentioned the road trip aspect to it uh quirky characters certainly um Jim can be classified as that, but it also has heart, and I think that for was really what made a film like Little Miss Sunshine and makes this film that the the feeling you have, this connection that you feel watching it with the characters. Uh, your character Alex is down on his luck; he feels down, and there's some issues that he's trying to grappling with. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, I always felt connected to him as a character, just because you can see the humanity in him. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of the story for uh, uh, Brooklyn Brothers Beat the Best, uh, what your involvement is in terms of not only are you the, the star, but you're also the director. But tell us a little bit about the genesis of the story for Brooklyn Brothers Beat the Best. Well, um, you know, I, I wrote it, I actually I wrote the title like two, like two years before I actually ended up writing the, started writing the actual script. Um, you know, I, I was, I was a musician for a long time. I was a um, in bands. I toured around the country and put out records on a on a few indie labels. And when I wanted to write write my first film, I I wanted to kind of document that that journey, but I didn't want it to be the actual journey that I had kind of gone on. I wanted it to more to kind of explore the ideas that I was kind of struggling with at the time, which was you know these two this kind of dichotomy within me of the you know, kind of hopelessly insecure, you know, part that that is just ready to give up and, and it just has open ears for the critics. And then the other side, it was like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to push through this and I'm just going to keep going regardless of how ridiculous or stupid it may be. Mm-hmm. And, 
and that that struggle kind of it felt like a worthy struggle and i felt like i saw a lot of my closest friends going through that same thing and and not just artists you know people anybody that wanted something that wanted to do something um i felt like we were all kind of going through that that same um journey essentially so i kind of split that that into two different characters and thought you know it'd be interesting to, to watch them try and hash that out you know stuck together in a little car going across the country attempting to play music you know with the toys of children and this kind of as they try and see if they can bring their kind of childhood dreams into their adult life and you know can they sustain them essentially and should they <laughs> yeah well well, before you, Red, at what point did uh, the the element of the children's instrumentation kind of kick in? Was this something that you you had toyed with as a as a kid, or was this something that uh, uh, Michael no Weston? Yes, that's right. Was Michael Weston? Was he the? Well, tell me a little bit about that element of the story. Just um, writing music. You know, even when I stopped being um, pursuing music as like a full career, I, I'd always kind of continued to write songs. I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, so some of the songs were written beforehand, and some of them were written while I was writing the script, and some of them were written um, literally right before we were going into production. But as far as the children's instruments, um, I remember I was I was in college. I was I was going to school, Mason Grove School of the Arts, back at Rutgers, and um, and um, I was in a much harder band, like a more kind of indie post-punk band, kind of unwound, drive like Jehuits. Mm-hmm. And one of the first shows we played, the opening act of the, and all the other bands were kind of in a, in the vein, a harder vein like that. But the opening act was this band that played. One guy sang and played acoustic guitar, and the other guy played children's instruments. And nobody was watching this band at all. And I just, I, I was looking at them, going, going like, "How are you pulling this off? Like these, these songs are actually, you know, sweet and beautiful, even though it seems like it should be a joke." And, um. I couldn't believe everybody in the place wasn't watching them because it just seemed like such a bizarre spectacle. Yeah. Um, and so I became friends with them. You know, we became close friends and, and, you know, we're friends for years and years. And so when I was trying to develop the sound of what I wanted to use for this for this film and what I, I felt like was the most fitting, um, I, you know, reached out to them and they helped me take a few of, of my songs and, and kind of translate some of the synth stuff and bass um, line stuff that I've written onto these children's toys. And uh, we actually used a couple of their songs in the film as well. And um, so that's, that's, that band was called The Crown Rosary, and it's uh, Brendan Leach and Keith Frodenberger. Now, The Crown or The Crayon ro- Rosary? Say it again. Uh, I know. People make fun of me. It's Crayon, like a, okay. the Crayon Rosary, like the Simon and Garfunkel song. You know, like little kids draw with crayon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. But people say crayon. Crayon. <laughs> okay. I just don't pronounce it right. All right. Okay. No, it's it's a terrific sound. And um, your your co-star, uh, Michael Weston, who plays uh, Jim, is just wonderful. I every time I see him, I like him. And I hate to say this, he's I'm, awesome, man. He is. I know he's good in everything. everything. He he's good in everything. And and yet, I don't. I mean, I've seen him in a lot of things, and yet I'm trying to remember where I've seen him when I see him. You know what I mean? It's a, it's one of those things. Oh, I like this guy. Where have I seen him before? Oh yeah, and then I re- remember. But he's just an actor that needs to be better featured or get. You know, I mean, he's he's terrific. I really liked him in this role, and he didn't overplay it, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, Mike. Mike is like you know what? When I wrote that role, you know, I had to pick an actor essentially that that uh, 
you know, because he said some harsh things. He said some harsh things. Yeah. He's really in your face, like, kind of disturbingly honest at times. And, uh, you know, you needed somebody. I needed somebody that that had some kind of inherent charm, a certain amount of charisma that, that you know, you just love him regardless yeah. of all that shit. But, you know, no matter what it is. And Mike just has that. He has that charm that even, you know, he gets stopped on the street wherever we go because of, like, two episodes that he did on, uh, on um, Six Feet, Six Feet Under, Under yeah. where He's... he, like, I guess he, like, makes one of the main characters, like, smoke crack and pours gasoline yep. all over him. Yeah. And he's just terrifying. But in that t- terrifying nature that he can present, he also, you just love him regardless. You, you, you're, you like, you want to follow him. You want him to yeah. succeed in some way. And, and um, that kind of nature was something that we absolutely needed for Jim. And... I think it's a big reason why he just asked, he just killed it. He's, he, he's such a wonderful actor. He did. A good person. He did, and I just want to throw in, for me, his appeal is he brings a level of intelligence to all of the roles he's in. You, he, There's something that he, I, I would assume he's a pretty intelligent guy because it just seems to ooze out of him in the ability to and kind not of just like, And not just intelligent, like wise. I, mean, I, actually, I would say wise. Wise is a, is yeah. a perfect you know, word for, for Michael Weston because he really is, he's a wise man. He's yeah. emotionally smart as well yeah. as just, yeah. as well as intelligent. And, you yeah. know, I think he knows himself and is, you know, constantly trying to get better and, and learn from his, his failings, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. And and has been a big influence on me. Yeah, as, and all, as a yeah, and and he, and he's just terrific in this film. And I think you said something important, which is emotional intelligence, and that is something that has got to be just golden for an actor to have, to be able to do that. Because there's scenes in here with I the agree. grandfather being able to play off of you know the sort of, and then there's the the humorous element. But again, none of this is overplayed. The humor uh, is uh, organic. It comes from the situations. It's never yucky. It doesn't turn into prop comic kind of stuff it it's it's because of the you know you're using children's instruments could have easily become silly but it doesn't and again i this is really yeah. a, it's just a film uh, by the way i want to mention again by the way we're uh, speaking with ryan onan the film is uh, onan uh the film is uh oh, yeah um uh, pardon me brooklyn brothers beat the best and um it again and then uh, it's just uh i and then also i want to mention uh ariel cabell uh who is terrific in it as well the love interest if you will um tell me a little bit about uh, her character in this film um ariel plays you know she plays this this girl that, that, that comes along she plays this manager i mean she, she wants to manage him she's a, she's a girl she's from a small town in pennsylvania yeah. you know she's you know try to eke out a sense of identity essentially she's like this punky girl who you know runs this local club and I think she sees these guys, um, she's gorgeous, um, yeah. and she sees these guys that are doing something that she's kind of secretly always wanted to do in her whole life, which right. is just get the hell out of town and go try something, you know, be a, be braver than you think you can be and, and head out there against the odds. And I think it really appeals to her character's kind of inner nature. So despite the fact that Alex and Jim are, are kind of these weirdos, I think she senses pretty early on that they're actually, you know, have the best intentions and are just kind of, you know, you know, helplessly, you know, always striving. And so she comes on board and, and feels like she can help them in some way and help herself and ends up kind of being a, a huge kind of 
uh, adversary to, to Alice in a lot of ways who's just getting over a broken heart. Um, but it's a great character, in it, and she just she's wonderful in it. Yeah, and I, I think I think her character for me um, also uh, there, brings uh, this sort of tension within the, be, the between Alex and Jim, and then uh, also in pushing both of them to uh, to go out and and continue to do this the, the things that they do because she she's not she's not going to BS you guys she she seems to intend to kind yeah of, exactly to, she just says how it is yeah and and she you know it's a little bit of like she's a she likes it enough to come so that I mean that's a little feather in the cap too you yeah, know yeah but Alex just doesn't trust it because he's got still got that side of him he's the doubting side you know right right well and I also and uh, and by the way this is your directorial debut uh and you did a really remarkable job not only with the direction but you attracted a pretty nice cast here you've got melissa leo you've got andrew mccarthy uh uh uh, uh, uh what is this valderama i can't think of his first name Walmart, yeah thank you uh some Walmart? yes <laughs> yes uh but uh and i i have to say um i just want to kind of single out for a second andrew mccarthy does a nice job uh, as your brother, um, and I, th- Man, I you he's know, wonderful in that yeah, role. Yeah, he really is. He did a good job, um, and he was. And that and that role could be very cliched and kind yeah. of like you know the the villain character essentially. Yeah. You know, the conservative brother yeah. who you know looks down on what his like you know artistic brother is doing. But uh, what I really wanted in that role. And what I usually see in real life more often than not, and what Andrew brings so much is that. You know, that brother, I mean, I grew up in an all-kind of born-again family, um, and, you know, whatever judgments can, may come along with that, like, you know, Andrew's character loves the shit out of Alex. I mean, loves him to death. He's yes. a little brother. You know, he raised him in a lot in a lot of ways and wants the absolute best for him, and it, and it doesn't come from a place of selfishness or from a place, you know, maybe it comes from a place of fear, but it's a, it's a fear of, like, right not wanting his brother to get hurt, you know, I mean, and feeling a certain amount of shame that he wishes he could have helped him out more. And then there's that struggle. If he has his own kid who, you know, is a misfit as well. And Andrew's character wasn't a misfit growing up. I mean, he was, you know, way more accepted and probably way more popular and knew the right things to say at the right time. And he sees a lot of Alex in his, in his son. And, you know, doesn't quite know what to do with it, and he's trying a different tactic than he did with Alex because he sees Alex is you know just so aimless in his life, and so I think that's where a lot of the conflict comes in. But Andrew always comes out from a place of love, and I, I my hat off to him for being so wonderful. Yeah, no, and and it, you're right, and and again, uh, this is I think the uh, a compliment to you and your direction, and that is uh, you've surrounded yourself with very good actors very good actors and also let them play uh i mean that's the only thing you can really do man yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's hire really really great people yeah it certainly is a big part of it and that's what hitchcock used to say once he got done with the script and casting it was 95 percent finished for him because he just knew that he had trust in the people that he had brought into those projects and as you should you did as well to say do what you do uh, no one overplayed it. Everyone was, if anything, just it just the, the humanity in the film is really what comes across, and, and it's the humor. But it's it. 
I really enjoyed this, and I uh, my hat's off to you. Are you? Are you? Uh, oh, thank you. Y- yeah, I, I, and it's no small feat. I mean, it's so difficult to make a film, uh, a lower budget film, indie, whatever you want to call it, film, that is able to um, t- to be fully realized, and that's what this film looks like uh, to me, a fully realized film to get the distribution, no easy task, you had a great cast, so they've certainly helped you with this, but um, uh, are you working now on the next project? Are you moving to something else? or I am, we actually uh, I have a, I just uh, wrapped our, you know, I've, I've like this collective group of friends, and we make these films together, we, uh, we a lot of us met on this film called The Dry Land. Mm-hmm. Um, that we did a, a few years ago, and then uh, we all made this film, and a big group of us worked on the film um, LUV that was at Sundance this year. Love, yeah, and uh, and we just made our our new film called Chew and Blossom, which was actually the first film I ever wrote back in college. It's uh, it's taken us like six years to get it made to like, <laughs> raise the financing and everything for it. Yeah. But it's a, it's the same thing. It's a big group of the the same friends and. Um, it's got a wonderful cast. Got Alan Cumming and Annie oh, Potts, wow. and uh, uh, Mercedes Rule and Chris Marquette and oh. Kaylin Stacy and yeah. uh, oh. a, a lot more. Richard Kind. Wow, that's great. Melanie Linsky. Yeah. But well, and what... I'm really, really proud of it. And yep. yeah, and so we're just in the post-production process on that one right now. Oh, fantastic! I, I wrote that one. Fantastic. And I've produced it. Well, well, when when I hope you'll come back and join me again for uh, for when it comes out. I, I'm really looking forward to it as, as well. But we don't have to wait too long for that uh, Ryan and Ann uh, of, of cinematic experience. It's out in the theaters now. It's it's playing here in Los Angeles at the uh, Sundance Select Theater up in uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Los Angeles area. It's off Sunset. It used to be the Sunset Five. A lot of people know it from that. It's now the Sundance Select Theaters. Terrific place to see movies. Uh, they've re- they've revamped it's it. It's actually awesome. I snuck in there. It's a beautiful, beautiful theater. Yeah, yeah. Are you? I I think I asked you this. Are you, are you in town for any of the, um, the screenings uh, coming up? Or are you? Yeah, we're, we're, tonight we're doing a we're doing a Q and A. Uh, me and Michael are, and Zach Braff is moderating. Oh. Um, he's like the guest host. Yeah. And then tomorrow, um, Jason Ritter and me and Michael are doing a Q and A as well. And Ariel Kebble, I think, will be there tomorrow night. Oh, wonderful! And, well, um, what yeah, time? What's what, yeah? What's what's the screening? What times? Seven thirty or do we know? Um, that seven thirty is the is the one tonight. Um, and then tomorrow night it's at seven thirty as well. The May, I mean, it's it's opening weekend, so it's yeah. basically yeah. you know show times, actual show times that are going on. But we'll be there for a lot of it. So, oh. well, um, I like to we'll get be a- doing Q and A here and there. Very good. Well, I hope to get up there and see you. I I I just want to shake your hand and tell you I really enjoyed your film and um, hope hope the best. Oh, hope thank this, you, brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, come back. Thanks, um, man. We need it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Sundance Select tonight. You can check it out. You can see a great film and talk to a, a terrific uh, director uh, and uh, hopefully continued success for all of these projects you're working on. Ryan, uh, thank you for being on Film School. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.